My guest this week has been in all parts of media for the past 35 years. He has been an entertainment lawyer, president of Harvey Entertainment, founder of Reach Games, a video game company, and was the executive producer of Sony Pictures Animation and the CEO of Bardell Entertainment. I'm excited to talk to Rick Michelle. Thank you, Ian. Good to be here. Happy to happy to join. Thank you. So where are you originally from Chicago area? Uh, actually, originally from uh, Long Island, New York. Whoa. I moved when I was 10 uh, to Florida, like a lot of New Yorkers, and grew up in Florida. Went to high school in Florida and then went back to college in Boston at uh, Tufts University. Yeah. What part of Long Island? Because that's where I am right now. Oh, uh, Westbury. Oh, yeah. Wantaw. So. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. You're out there a bit. That's a pretty, pretty spot. Yeah. Westbury's nice too. It's right up right under me. Right above yeah. me. Westbury right Music me. Fair. Exactly. <laughs> so a lot of people there. Yeah. So were you always interested in entertainment? You know, as a kid I loved movies. Um uh I used to watch just whenever I could, I'd watch these old movies from the thirties and forties. I uh was addicted to kind of uh, late night watching John Garfield movies and Bogart and James Cagney. And so I love movies as a kid. I always went to the movies a lot. And uh, I thought, you know, maybe one day I could get into that industry. I didn't really know how or have any idea. Uh, I always, you know, loved political science and other things too. So I ended up going to law school after college and uh, gravitated towards entertainment law that was a way for me to kind of get into the industry and learn more about how the industry worked from a point of view of contracts and things like that yeah you work for the law firm of o Mulvaney and myers oh melvany and myers that's Melvin. right yeah yeah and we uh it's one of one of these big kind of global firms but we had a uh, an entertainment law practice right in LA. And, um, I was able to, uh, you know, get into that practice, um, right out of law school, which was very lucky for me. And that's where I kind of learned a lot about the entertainment business. Can you say who their clients were? Or well, at the time I'm trying to think we had, um, a number of producers, uh, television producers, um, and then a lot of the studios, so Disney, Paramount, uh, we did a lot of studio work because, you know, we were one of these big firms, so we didn't have a lot of individuals. Um, so we did uh, a lot of work for studios. And then some, I remember some television producers that were making movies of the week. I did work on those uh, option agreements and life story agreements. And, and I learned a lot about how the business kind of functions, but I didn't really like being a lawyer. So after a couple of years there, uh, I decided to leave and try and find a job that was involved some creative uh, and and business, sort of combined business and creative. And, and I left and a friend of mine was the outside lawyer for a company that needed someone to come in on the inside to do some uh, business affairs work, but also do production and read scripts. And so that's where I learned the film business. That was an independent 
film company called Electric Pictures. And I spent a couple of years there learning a lot about the independent film business. How did you move your way up to being the senior vice president of acquisitions at Live? That was really my uh, big break, you know, in, in the industry. I, a uh, guy I had done a deal with when I was at Electric Pictures ended up as head of acquisitions. And uh, they were looking for someone at the time, Live Entertainment was, uh, that company, Live, later became Artisan Entertainment and later became uh, Lionsgate. So this was the predecessor to that company. At the time, we were a very um, strong DVD uh, distributor in North America. And back in the 90s, you could finance movies, half your budget you could get from a DVD company that wanted the DVD rights. At the time, they were looking for someone. They had a big DVD uh, uh, line for kids called Family Home Entertainment, FHE. And our most famous product, actually, on FHE was Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Frosty the Snowman, the Christmas classics. Uh, so uh, they needed someone to kind of bring in more kids' uh, entertainment and find that product. And... I had uh, been involved with uh, making deals and I knew how to kind of structure acquisition agreements. And funny enough, I'd had some time in my career working with kids. So I felt like I knew kind of what kids wanted, what they liked. I went in and interviewed and the CEO of the company really liked me and gave me my break. He said, you know, I'm going to hire you and and give you a chance. And he really did. He was my big mentor in my life. And uh, I went there just doing kids acquisitions and I did well. And I went to Europe to the t TV markets, the MIPCOM markets, and uh, started buying programming from European producers of animation. And, and eventually uh, I rose to be head of all acquisitions so I was in charge of all the feature film acquisitions. I would go to Sundance and the Cannes Film Festival, and uh, I'd still go to the TV markets and look for that stuff. But I had a staff of people, and you know, I spent five years there, and it really—I uh, learned a lot from this CEO. His name's Roger Burlidge, and uh, still a friend, and I still am in touch with him. And he really gave me my shot and was a real mentor. And that's how I learned about animation. I learned about um, production of animation and films. Um, I got to buy movies. I got to screen a lot of movies. And it was a great job. But it, it was it's a very taxing job. You're traveling all year. You're tired. Uh, you're running around, you're competing against, at the time in the 90s, I was competing against Miramax and Fox Searchlight and uh, Columbia TriStar, you know, the uh, that later became Sony Pictures. And, you know, there was a lot of competition and we were the independent guys. Um, it was tough, but I got to produce a film that a, a project that I brought in called Suicide Kings with Christopher Walken and Dennis Leary and bunch of great young actors um i got to do that and it was just a great time uh you know to be in the business in the 90s uh it was a real growth time and uh 
great experience. That company was sold, and when it was sold, we left, and um, Roger Burlidge came to me and said, if you write a business plan with me uh, for Harvey Entertainment and we end up acquiring the company, I'll raise the money. You write the business plan. Uh, you can be president of the company and run it, and I'll be CEO and mentor you. It was a public NASDAQ company. And so I became president of Harvey Entertainment because Roger knew that I had a lot of knowledge about the kids industry, which he he didn't so much. So he, he was... Uh, uh, you know, uh, came to me to kind of help put the business plan together. And Harvey, of course, had these characters, Casper the Friendly Ghost, Richie Rich, uh, Wendy the Witch. And so we acquired that company and went about making projects related to that intellectual property. Intellectual property for Harvey Comics, Harvey Entertainment was very well known, Casper the Friendly Ghost, Richie Rich, Wendy the Witch. And we set about uh, creating uh, projects, you know, DVD, movies, animated cartoons based on that intellectual property. You had a Casper Christmas special? We did a Casper's Haunted Christmas. We did a Casper um, uh, feature-length project for DVD. We did a, um, yeah, it was great. I mean, we... You know, it was it was a company with so much history and legacy. All the comic books we had, all the comic books in our li in the library, bound and beautiful from the 1930s and 20s. I mean, a lot of history there. And uh, eventually, that company was sold uh, to a company called Classic Media, and. The classic media eventually got sold to DreamWorks Animation. So now all those Harvey comic rights are held by DreamWorks, interestingly enough. Last week, I actually had on um, Sparky Marcus, the voice of Richie Rich. Oh, my gosh. You're kidding. That's great. Wow. So that's a little weird. That, yeah. So funny. Yeah. And then you went to Mainframe. Yeah. So Mainframe had been a uh, – I'd been a client of Mainframe. They had done our Casper uh, CGI animated feature for DVD. And at the time, they had some um, medical issues with their CEO. And, um, and so they were looking for someone. And uh, they ended up hiring me. And I moved to Vancouver, Canada, only knowing one person in Vancouver. But this was an opportunity to be the CEO uh, of, you know, my own company. First time I was, a, I was the CEO. And Mainframe was, at the time, one of the only independent animation studios that did CGI for television. So we did uh, Max Steel from Mattel. We did a lot of the Barbie DVD movies uh, from Mattel. Uh, that, uh, you know, many kids grew up on. This was the early 2000s. Um, so we did a lot of CGI. We did a Tony Hawk DVD movie uh, where we animated Tony and motion captured skating, uh, skateboarding. Uh, it was a great company. Um, you know, one of the real creators of CG for television, Reboot, was their famous... T 
TV series called uh, in the 90s that was on ABC that was one of the first CGI uh, television series for kids. So I ran that company uh, five and a half years. And again, that company, we sold it uh, to, uh, to a vi visual effects company called Rainmaker who wanted to get into animation. And I went and uh, kind of produced, helped them produce some stuff and also started my own games company. And at the time I was doing service work only for either other game companies or clients that were creating games that needed some animation done inside their games. And that was the model, it was called Reach Games. So I stayed in animation a long time. You know, I started in, in a job where I did animation, then I got into feature films as, as head of acquisitions at Live. But I really liked the animation world. So I stayed in it. And uh, after Mainframe, I had my games company. Uh, Technicolor recruited me uh, to come back to Los Angeles from Vancouver, and I ran their animation operation, which we had a studio in India where there were a lot of animation artists. And we had uh, artists in Burbank, about 50 artists. And we did both service work for games, game companies, and uh, Nickelodeon was our big client for television and, you know, the Penguins uh, series. And so we were, I was at Technicolor. And then Sony recruited me. And Sony really has been the second biggest kind of uh, long-term uh, opportunity in my life. You know, Sony recruited me to open their studio in Vancouver. So I moved back to Vancouver. And the challenge there was, you know, we started from scratch to build a feature animation studio, both visual effects and animation. And we started with 60 people. There were... Um, uh, you know, a very small crew. We were a satellite studio. And by the time I left five years later, we were up to 700 artists in Vancouver. So it was uh, quite a growth time for Sony Pictures Image Works. And for me, an amazing experience. And I stayed with Sony. I wanted to move back to Los Angeles for my personal life. And I stayed with Sony and they hired me uh, to start producing in LA. I was with Sony Pictures Animation. So I moved from Sony Pictures Imageworks to Sony Pictures Animation and started producing television series based on our movies. So we did Hotel Transylvania, the TV series, and Cloudy with a Chance of Meatball, the TV series. So that's what I started doing at Sony. And I'm still you know how many years later um still i you know i've i've ended up with sony for a total of 13 years uh in some capacity with sony i'm still producing a show with sony based on the open season movies we're doing an open season animated tv series so it's been a long haul with sony great company great people and um i've had a great experience even when i went to back to Vancouver to Bardell to turn that company around and kind of fix some problems there, I was able to continue my relationship with Sony uh, even while I was hired at Bardell Entertainment to do uh, to do the to be CEO of Bardell. 
and that was the last five years I was at Bardell uh, as CEO of that company. All right, you want to talk about some of the movies that you're listed that are in your credits that you're listed in? Um, Hotel Transylvania and Hotel Transylvania 2. Well, to be fair, uh, I'm listed in those um, credits because I was running Sony Pictures Image Works in Vancouver. And the reason, uh, you know, uh, generously, uh, my boss, uh, the head of Sony Pictures uh, Image Works and, and Sony Pictures Animation, uh, you know, uh, granted us as the studio that did the production work, gave us credit on that feature, on those features, which was really nice. So we were able to work on some of those great features, you know, Hotel Transylvania has been such a successful uh, franchise. And because we did a lot of the production work in Vancouver, uh, generously Sony gives me, gave me a credit on some of those features. So you see my name, it's nice, believe me, I'm happy. You see my name on some of these movies, uh, you know, because I ran the studio in Vancouver that did some of the production work. So yeah, I did. I, you know, I had my contribution, my small contribution uh, to those films. The Spider-Man um, cartoon series. Yeah. I mean, the first Spider-Man uh, feature, um, I was still there at Sony image works and uh, that was a real breakthrough film. I mean, as you know, the, the look and feel of that film, um the the style was so new and and you know it was a challenge for imageworks to really push push our knowledge of of kind of traditional cgi animation into a much more of a 2d cg hybrid look um and as you know won the academy award you know it's uh it's an amazing movie as as well as the sequel uh uh, you know, that came out uh, this past year has been amazing. So, uh, yeah, it's been, it was great to kind of help Imageworks, our studio, kind of get to that place. It was really the artists. It wasn't me. I mean, it's the CG supervisors, the directors of animation, the animators, the lighters, the compositors. You know, it's a huge team effort to make a feature like that. I'm just a guy that keeps the lights on and keeps the infrastructure going. You know, those are the people that really do the work. Men in Black 3. Uh... Right. So th this is what was great about my job at Sony Pictures Imageworks. Uh, we were also a visual effects company. So when Sony made a film that required a great deal of visual effects, uh, they came to us to do the visual effects work on that movie. We were usually the primary vendor for visual effects. So the Men in Black 3 was one of those movies where, um, you know, we had a, a crew of amazing VFX artists that were able to pull off some of those great VFX shots. And you see my credit, some of those other movies that I was at Imageworks uh, that were done while I was there. Again, it's the artists, you know, I'm the guy that kept the lights on, but it was really the artists that, that did it. When I, I'm a teacher in New York City in, in uh, Queens, Richmond Hill, they oh. shot they shot part of that movie mm -hmm. two blocks from the school I taught at. At the Old World's Fair um, 
grounds, you mean, in Flushing or? Um, no, they did the scene there, but they did a scene um, on Jamaica Avenue. Oh, wow. Isn't that funny? That's great. Yeah. Yeah, so that was great. a big thing. You know, these yeah. franchises are so great. They 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 give you that opportunity to continue to tell the story and um, and and to bring new visual effects, uh, you know, the latest and greatest in visual effects and animation. And that's why I love this business. You kind of can push new boundaries every time you start a project. I was watching, when I have a daughter who's 11, but when she was like younger, she really liked the new Garfield that I think came from France. Uh, who did the work on that new Garfield? I can't remember the studio that did the work. I think it was Mikros, so you might be right. Um, Mikros, uh, let me see. Uh, the, the first, the Garfield animated movie, you mean? No, the TV, it was a TV show. Oh, it came from France? Wow. I think. Maybe. I mean, you know, th this is the thing about... Um, it's an animated television series. I wonder who did the work on it. Uh, well, I don't know. There have been a few. But this is what I was going to say about the animation business. It's so global. You know, people don't realize, but animation work is done all over the world. Like I said, I ran a studio in India, right? And we had 900 artists in India doing animation work. It's most of the stuff you see... Other countries have touched that work. It's definitely not just a U.S.-based business. Canada is a huge animation center with many, many studios. Um, you know, and yeah, Pixar does their work in Northern California. Uh, Disney, most of the work in L.A., Burbank. But uh, a lot of the studios, even DreamWorks, have done work outside of the U.S. Uh, you know, the Minions movies, uh, uh, that's, you know, uh, what's it called? Um, I'm blanking the Minions. The minions. Oh, that's Despicable Me. Yeah. Well, Despicable Me movies were done in France at a French studio, you know? So it, it's, it's a global business in television and features. And, uh, you know, it's kind of one of the reasons I really like it. I get to, you know, travel and go to these markets and, and see all these people. And the Smurf started in France as well. What is the Smurfs started? Yeah, that's right. Uh, Smurfs was actually the first uh, project. The Smurfs feature, the first feature we did, was the first uh, visual effects project we did at our new studio in Vancouver when Sony opened up ImageWorks. And uh, as you know, we did I think three of those films. The last one was full anim fully animated, and. Uh, yeah, Smurfs is a huge French intellectual property. Sony uh, doesn't have the rights anymore, but they're still making new shows now in France on Smurfs, and you'll see it all over on Nickelodeon or wherever. Every and all these broadcasters all over the world. So. Uh, right. I brought up I brought up Garfield. It's like it's amazing because of animation, the characters that you liked as a kid, they look better, and you're you're children will watch them and they'll get an appreciation for something that you watch and it and it looks better at the same time that's right you're right it the quality of the animation has really improved it's just gone to great great degrees you know it keeps getting better and the, the software just gets better and the artists are getting better so it's really great 
mean, you worked on a Popeye video game. <laughs> yeah, I did. I reached. That was one of our, uh, the only project that we actually uh, launched ourselves and tried to get going. Unfortunately, we never got it published. It never got made. Uh, but man, we tried. I mean, we, uh, I knew the Popeye folks from mainframe i had done a popeye special uh which was written by paul reiser by the way he wrote the special uh and uh i so i knew the hearst entertainment folks and they gave me the rights to try and get a game going and we just were never able to launch it but we certainly tried but i love popeye you know characters in the 30s that's right i mean amazing uh just incredible incredible legacy and uh you know sony tried almost did a popeye movie as well uh they didn't get it going but they had popeye for a while there too yeah just the live action movie didn't do well yeah that's right well yeah the robin williams it's kind of come around a bit as a, a cult, cult movie, movie now yeah that's right robert altman directed it and uh robin williams starred as popeye it was kind of perfect you know diary of a wimpy kid you worked on yeah so while I was at Bardell, again, one of the premier independent television animation houses, one of our goals was to get, get Bardell into kind of the low-budget feature, animated feature arena. And we had a great relationship, the people at Bardell with the people at Fox at the time who controlled Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Disney Plus was gearing up and needed more content. So they decided after buying Fox, that uh, they would do a couple of Diary of a Wimpy Kid animated movies. So we got to kind of create a look with Fox, with our partners at Fox while I was at Bardell, create a look for that property that was really unique, very cartoony, uh, really a great look for the character and the storylines. And that was really fun to kind of get be involved in that and to launch that. And Ice Age... And the same thing, we did a Disney Plus movie, um, again, lower budget feature, and got to take those magnificent characters that have been so well established by Fox already. They trusted us to kind of bring the quality level uh, that was needed, even though it was a lower budget than a big theatrical feature, they trusted us to kind of bring the quality level to the movie um for disney plus so uh, we were able to do that as well so i've worked with on some with some great franchises it's been a real pleasure and the one that jumps off that is still popular and it's more adult is rick and morty yeah so again i mean it's one of those you know just lucky breaks that bardell was the production studio on uh rick and morty for for many seasons and so when i got to bardell to run bardell i got to meet the rick and morty folks and uh and again i want to stress we had nothing to do with the amazing writing and and humor and brilliance of that show what we did was take that and translate it into animation working with them of course and their supervision and direction to create the animation that that you know uh brought those words to life and man what a pleasure i mean i love that show i think it's brilliant brilliant show i'm not involved in bardell anymore but i still love watching rick and morty it's one of my favorites do you watch any of the fox uh, animated comedies 
Uh, yeah, I do. I do. I'm a huge Family Guy fan. Been watching it for years. I've seen them all. Uh, Bob's Burgers, I've watched a lot of. I haven't watched the new ones yet, but I'll get around to it. You know, um, that John Hamm one, I'll probably watch and definitely will want to do that. So it's, uh, but I do, I love Family Guy and uh, Bob's Burgers and Rick and Morty and um, Solar Opposites we did, which was a really funny show. And I used to, I'd watch, uh, you know, some other shows I watched uh, that I thought were really funny, Invincible and, you know, some things like that. I've watched every single Simpsons when it first wow. aired. That's, that's impressive, Ian. There's a lot of Simpsons. I have watched a lot of Simpsons. I should have mentioned that. That's a big influence, but I'm not caught up. You, you're ahead of me because. Well, I got lucky. I started started when I was 12, and I just never stopped watching it every Sunday. Wow. Okay. There you go. That's kind of what I do with Family Guy. I watch it every Sunday, and I I always have. But yeah, Simpsons. You know, I mean, you can't. That's just. That's that's one of the best. I also do what uh, watch uh, Family Guy and. Um, Bob's Burgers every Sunday as well. Oh, there you go. Okay, so, it's yeah. so funny. My my uh, the shows that I tape, even though I watch them, right. just in case something happens. Right. It, it's SNL and then the the Sunday uh, Fox shows. Funny you said about SNL because I got the privilege and pleasure of befriending uh, Robert Marionetti and David Wachtenheim at Sony who were there during the Hotel Transylvania days. And of course, they were the animation company behind uh, TV Funhouse, the Robert Smigel cartoons on Saturday Night Live. Now they and Smigel uh, directed Leo on Netflix, which is a big hit on Netflix. I'm so happy for those guys. Uh, they're really great. And where do you see animation heading? Good question. You know, I think there's a real... Uh, push for using the game engines like Unreal or Unity, which are the game engines that games use to generate uh, and uh, content for using those in television. Uh, you know, so I think you're going to see uh, efficiencies in animation, especially in television, where you'll be able to tell more complicated stories at lower budget. So you'll see um, you know, kind of more interesting design aspects in television. Use of the Unreal Engine will give uh, the ability to create more animation at less cost. That's one big trend. I think you're starting to see real mixture of styles in animation, to not only 2D and CG, but cartoony versus um, uh, photoreal, Blending, more blending. I think Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse did that brilliantly. I just saw, um, you know, I watched on uh, Netflix the uh, the uh, beautiful uh, Samurai uh, series. I'm blanking now on the name of it. I just watched it brand new on, on Netflix. Uh, that was just beautiful in terms of look. Um, uh, you know, I'll tell you the name of it now. Um, blue eye samurai, blue eye samurai, uh, beautiful. You know, some of these shows that have these beautiful looks, you know, there's a series on Netflix 
uh, where you, there are uh, a bunch of shorts uh, done by different companies. And if you watch those, uh, if you watch those, you, you see so many different kinds of, um, of uh, you know, styles, even within each of these shorts. You know, Love, Death, and Robots. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's a great uh, thing on Netflix to if you want to get to know different styles of animation. And you're just starting to see more people experiment, and 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 I love it. I love I love seeing that. And you have people that now, Dan Harmon, and you know people who have shows that are popular in other formats. Coming, uh, Robert Smigel coming and uh, creating. Animated content. Yeah, animation is such a great form to tell stories. You know, it's just another format to tell stories. That's the way I look at it. Some things are right for animation, some aren't. But anybody creative, of course, is going to want to tell a story in the best way they can. So animation is another tool. You know, that's kind of how I see it. I always think that the animation is probably the toughest and easiest to write for. Because you could do anything, and that's why it's easy, and that's why it's hard. Well, that's right. That's a good point. You're you're only limited by your imagination. You know, right? If you want King Louis the Fourteenth to come out, he, he can come out. That's right. That's yeah. right. Rick and Morty does that so well. And it's a very challenging show to animate and produce, as you can imagine, because it's so fast paced and everything. But yeah. It's that's true. And what are you working on now? So I have a series on pitching now, created by a young creator writer. I really like based on the Edgar Allan Poe stories, but based on Edgar Allan Poe himself is a character at 14 years old, which is great. It's a fictional, you know, kind of journey of him and his little brother. Very clever, you know. Came to me through a friend who was his professor, actually. And it's just very talented kid. So I'm out there pitching that. I'm producing the open season series based on the open season movies for Sony. That's going well. And we're trying to get a Surf's Up series going based on the Surf's Up Sony movies, the penguins that surfed. So we're trying to develop a series now on that. So I'm working on that. So that's kind of my main things. Okay. Well, thank you very much for doing this. Yeah, Ian, my pleasure. Nice to see a fan of animation, and thank you for doing these. This is great. All right, man. Thanks, Ian. Where can I watch this? I want to uh, hear um, Thank you so much. Have a great, uh, happy, and healthy new year. You too.